to the Fans Eye View, brought to you by Sportsmate Mobile Footy Live and, of course, TLA. And we wave goodbye to the buy rounds as they're now complete. Winter has come. The depths of the coldness in Melbourne is here and we're back into the business end of the season. The long road to funnels begins this weekend. We had a 171-point loss. We had a two-point game. It was a weekend of football that provided everything and nothing at all. And here to talk about everything and nothing at all is the number one footy <laughs> fan in this office, yep. Nikki G. Welcome back, mate. Thank you. And yes, it's a pleasure that the buy, round, buy rounds have finally come to an end. It felt like forever. So it's good to have a normal schedule back this weekend. Yes, no more talking about do we need to have origin. Okay. No. Should we ban players going to Bali? Yeah. In fact, no, we talking about much at all because, quite frankly, it was a quiet week in the uh, media of the football circles. But alas, yep. we'll do a media watch. We'll do the in case you missed it edition. You probably didn't miss much, but no skipping on these questions. And of course, this week is bash the team and bottom of the ladder week. Never as good as it seems, ever as bad as it seems, what Lee Matthews has always said. But, Lloyd, it, it seems pretty bad at the moment, and the, the local media have not missed the Eagles. Uh, West Coast, they lost by 171 points to Sydney. They were embarrassing. Will Schofield blew up Twitter. WA's un- unhappy. Yeah. The fans are still turning up, though. So th- this week's big article uh, was from Kane Corns and said that $1.6 billion factor the Eagles must consider as the dominoes begin to fall. The head of fitness was sacked. Mm. Uh, again, ex-players came out and said, well, I was healthy under him, so it's not his fault, even though they got 18 players on the injury list. Yeah. So first questions first. Is someone to blame for West Coast being bad? Does the coach need to go? Does, does the board need to go? Or is it just a simple fact that someone has to be last and just, they just happen to be last? So someone does have to be yeah. last. Yes, definitely. Um, but I, I think they've got questions to answer for West Coast because you mentioned the injury list. They've had injury issues all year. Um, they've been some some weeks they've had to pick a team and, you know, they don't have to, they don't have to choose any of these players because some weeks they've just had 22 players to pick from um, and they had injuries last season as well. Um, it's been going on for a very long time. Players keep getting injured. I think we mentioned it on an earlier podcast earlier in the season as well uh, why there were so many soft tissue injuries on that West Coast list. Um, but then also list management, like they've still got so many players from that 2018 grand final and fair enough, you know, some of them were very, have been very good servants for the West Coast footy club. But um, at what what point do you say, all right, well, it's time um, to, to cut the list back. There's a lot of 30 plus year olds on that list and they obviously weren't going to make finals this year. So um I think they've taken their time to make the call to rebuild. Um, that probably could have been done a lot earlier, probably at the end of last season when, you know, it was their first real time at the bottom of the ladder. I think how many wins did they have last year? Two. So um, they'll be lucky to even get two this year. But yeah, a lot of questions need to be answered. So I love the visceral content. And again, we said it's quiet news week. So they've picked the wrong way to get smashed by the, yes. you know, the biggest margin since the last biggest margin, I think, which was, was Geelong and Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. Park and that saw the end of a coach back then. Mm. But like the difference is that Melbourne side hadn't won anything in like 50 years. Like yeah. They broke their 50 year drought when they won it a couple of years ago. Yeah. This West Coast side won it in 2018. Yeah. So like in all honesty, like, or you can answer the question, would you rather be a West Coast fan right now yeah. or a St Kilda fan? 
Um, oh, West Coast. West Coast. Because it's it's not going to last. They're they're going to yeah. they're going to bounce back. They got like forty six to fifty thousand people are turning up every week exactly. to watch this team get smashed. They've got so, a they've got a world class stadium. They've yeah. got members. They've they're financially stable. One of the most financially stable clubs in the league. They will bounce back. Yeah. Every team goes through this process. Yeah, they're not St Kilda. They're not North Melbourne. They're not the Gold Coast. Well, North Melbourne, I feel like I've gotten away with murder because when, when we talk about teams that haven't succeeded, I mean, the, they've lost 12 games in a row. Mm. They've got Adelaide in Adelaide this week, which could, could get ugly. They've got Geelong in Geelong next week. They're staring down the battle of 14 straight losses. They won two games last year. They won three the year before, and no one's talking about them as one of the worst teams of all time. And it's because probably no one cares. Well, yeah, maybe they've yeah. lost interest in North losing. No, it's just North, you know. Yeah. They, they, they'll, they'll lose, lose. again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But poor old West Coast. <laughs> so the big question here is I'm surprised it hasn't come out in the uh, in the news meeting, but, like, is this is this why the AFL needs to try and go down the promotion relegation path? It's always touted. It's always <laughs> said as a solution. It's always said to, like, we're going to stop tanking. Like, yeah. is, is West Coast tanking? Could you put your Damien Barrett hat on and be like, oh, West Coast, yeah, they've got 80 on the injury list. Yeah. But, like, how many of those players are actually injured and how many of those are being deliberately managed? To, Maybe, yeah. To make sure that we get this number one pick to turn into four top tens and then, you know, bounce back up the ladder next year. I don't I don't think it can work. I don't think promotion relegation can work. Um it would just, yeah, it'll destroy the league. Uh, it, it's different to those sports that do have promotion relegation like soccer. But, you know, we, we've got the draft. So mm. what happens if you finish last? You get the number one draft pick, but then you got to play, what, VFL next year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you can't have a draft and promotion relegation. No. And no. so the very thing, it's very funny because, like, everyone talks like, oh, no, we hate tanking, we hate tanking. Yeah. Well, the reality is if you tank, you come last. Like, no one wants to come last. Exactly. Like, so, like, there is a disincentive there to not be on the bottom of the ladder because it yeah. sucks. Everyone makes fun of you. Everyone writes these articles. Everyone says that your stadium is no good, like Kane Corns. Yeah. So I think there's enough incentive there not to come come last. And proud yeah. clubs like West Coast wouldn't want it to happen, but clearly – you know, it's well, happening. It's in the trip. moment, like yeah. you said, it's it's bad. You don't want you don't want to be last. But I'd also argue a few years down the track, do people forget? Uh, I'd say people forget about the teams who do finish last because right now, no one's talking about how Adelaide finished last a few years ago. Yeah. They're just talking about how good Adelaide are at the moment. Yeah. Um, same with Melbourne. Melbourne finished last a few years in a row, all, all those years back. But you know, now they're in the top four, and no one's talking about their wooden spoons. So. Yeah. Um, like, and that's and that's becomes the clubs in, in like imperative to make sure that doing the time and down the bottom is yeah, worthwhile. Exactly, because you don't want to be a St Kilda where it's like, oh, we, we, we yo-yo from being bottom four to maybe make the eight, bottom four, maybe mm. a North Melbourne. Yeah, you made some prelims, but like that's not exactly the enticing delivery yeah. of, of that. Even Adelaide, yeah, they went from a grand final down back up again. You, you know, you want to try and win a couple, but obviously it's also very hard to win the premiership. Only one of the 18 teams can do it. So clearly it's not going to be spread around nice and evenly like that either. Exactly. So very interesting times, but I do find it very funny when it's like, you know, why do we care so much when a team is getting beaten? Like, is it an integrity issue? Because then at what point do you draw the line? 
Because if every club was pretty decent, well, then a 50-point loss would be a big, big shellacking. We'd be like, oh, that team got beaten by 50 points. Yeah. And then it's like, what, what two points? Like, does every every game have to be a draw before we've realised that we've reached, like, the, the pinnacle of the league? Like, what is, where's the end point? There's always going to be a team that's at the bottom of yeah. the ladder. So, yeah. And I guess, yeah, sometimes it is, uh, I guess, exaggerated and um, over... Yeah. There's just yeah too many too many articles about it, but um, yeah, reality is is there's always going to be a team finishing at the bottom. There's always going to be a team that sucks, and this year it's West Coast turn, uh, North Melbourne's again and Hawthorns, but um, yeah, again it's a never ending cycle. Next year it'll change, the year after it'll change, and so on. So. Um, I guess we just we're just very passionate supporters. We love our teams, and that's probably why we uh, love to talk about it so much. Which is fair enough, and I understand if West Coast fans were coming out of here being like, "Oh, it's it's disgraceful that our club is on the bottom of the ladder." Yeah, fair enough. You don't want to be on the bottom. Yeah. What I find hilarious is when everyone else is like, "Oh, they're a disgrace. Their coach gets sacked," and it's like, well, "Why do you care well, so the, much?" The Kane Corns of the world, yeah. the Damian Barretts, they, they need something to talk yeah. about. It's very true. It's it's their food. It's their fuel. It is. And uh, what else I've been feeding on this week is the Hall of Fame. For the record tonight, I wish to announce that Nick Revolt was nominated for induction into the Hall of Fame this year, which he has gratefully accepted. But Nick is away living in the United States for the year with his family. Nick will be formally inducted next year on his return. But I'd hate for you to think that our selection panhouse panel somehow missed the high-flying number 12 for the Saints now that he is eligible for induction. And uh, it was the most low-key, like, mm. non-event I've ever seen, headlined by the fact that uh, Nick Rewalt made the Hall of Fame quite rapidly, although he has been retired for quite a while now. Nick Rewalt, yep. Um, and he said, no, thanks. I'm in the US with my family, not flying back for that. I might make it next year. Yep. Hold on to my suit and trophy then. Big Brucey McAvaney made the uh, Hall of Fame, as did uh, Chugga Williams and uh, your man, Sam Mitchell. Yes. Yep. Does it, is the... This is a non of like this is a non question. This is a real can corn <laughs> question. But is the Hall of Fame too easy to get into? Uh, I guess maybe because uh, it's, yeah, it's a hard question. Like is Sam Mitchell a legend of the game? Like, well, you're know, asking like, a Hawthorne I know, supporter. But I'm like, so. is he a legend? Like, what do yeah. Because he, he like is he making your team of the century? Yeah, well, probably. Yeah. Oh, he's a full-time premiership player. He's a premiership captain. He's a Brownlow medalist. He's won, I think, a record amount of club best and fairest. So, yeah, he, he'd be in the club hall of fame. And, yeah, I think that warrants, mm. yeah, the AFL hall of fame as well. So, um, I, I get what you're saying. Like, um, it, there, there might be a lot of candidates for hall of fame in the AFL. Are you saying that they need to narrow it down even further? Well, they already have like the AFL legend legend status, status. and that's like yeah. you know a bit more exclusive. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like potentially we like fans don't care because it seems like every good player from your club will eventually get into the Hall of Fame. Hmm. Not really. I don't think so. I think. Well, if you take a look at. Well, the best example for me would be looking at that that Hawthorne premiership team, right? So Sam Mitchell, Luke Hodge, Jared Rufford, Lance Franklin, Sean Burgoyne, 
So they're probably all walk-ins into the Hall of Fame. Mm. Outside of that, probably not many others. So I guess five, yeah, I don't know. In a, in a legendary team that won three straight premierships, yeah. only five to get in. And same will be the same thing will happen with Geelong as well. I think, yeah, Enright got it this time. Bartel, maybe Gary Ablett Jr. Uh, Joel Salwood. Joel Salwood, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, there's probably a few Matthew Scarlett as well, but um, yeah, I, I'd still say it's a pretty exclusive group, and you you need to have a Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, 100%. you got to be able to recognise those players. Yeah, I just think yeah, potentially. And again, it's you know it's the weirdness of the AFL being such a large sport. Like there's 18 on the field for each team, so there's 36 players running around having an influence. It's not like NBA where there's only five. Yeah. And like the Hall of Fame is like very small, and like it's like you know, you know, LeBron well, will be the Hall of Famer from his dynasty sides, and probably no one else. Yeah. So that makes a bit more sense. Whereas this is kind of like, well, yeah, you do actually need, you know, at least two legendary backs, two legendary midfielders, two legendary forwards to be even a sniff of winning a grand final. Yeah. To do that three times in six years or three in a row, or whatever the dynasty is. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense. When you compare it to NRL, and I suppose they only got 13 players aside, but, like, they have their immortals, mm. and there's, there's seven. Seven in total? That's it. Oh, wow. And, like, it's – and that's and they're probably doing more for the narrative part, but they're like, you know, who will be the next inducted? <laughs> and it's, like, very hard I like to that. get in. So it's very, like very, very – So that's probably equivalent to the, the legends status mm. for AFL then. Yeah. Probably not so much Hall of Fame. So there's no actual Hall of Fame for NRL. No, it's again, it's a different league. Okay. It was split and only only just came together in the last twenty oh, years. Interesting. Or so, but, um, but yeah, so it's much more exclusive and much more debated and uh, mm. less friendly. Whereas I think the Hall of Fame seems a little bit like, oh, no, of course, you know, Sam Mitchell, captain, premierships, yeah, Brownlow. yeah. It's like you know, we've already have, in my opinion, we already had the Brownlow list just because you want a Brownlow. Yeah, doesn't mean you're going to guarantee to be a Hall of Famer because you're just doubling up then. Yeah. Um, so, but again. Not really an issue. Play on either way. <laughs> Every year we debate the buy. Yeah. Has your opinion on the buy changed? Do we need it? Do we want it? Should we just play less games? Should we have a three week gap? What should we do with the buy? Um, I don't. Yeah, it has changed. I don't think we need the the four weeks. The buy over the four weeks. I, I think it needs to be shorter. I think this just dragged it on for too long. We don't need a month of buys. I think it was a bit ridiculous, and it just felt like it was dragging on a little bit too much than it needed to. Why not just have it in one or two weeks? Would you be okay with a whole week off? Yes, absolutely. Because you even see in the media, and I've seen a few media people complain about it as well. You see a lot of people in the media traveling at this time of year as well mm. in Europe, see it on Instagram. They're all in Italy and enjoying the sun. So they all have their time off as well. So if, if we just had a week off in the AFL world um, where players, coaches, media, fans all have a week off, we can all go away and do our thing and then come back and we haven't missed any footy. So I think it makes sense, to be honest. Yeah. But obviously uh, the, the, the big situation is the media deals and, you know, not having any uh, TV audience for a whole week. But so there's an easy fix then because then you can do make a big thing about all the little things. Then you do, you know, the under-18s National Carnival, that's that week, boom, tick that one off. There's your footy, there's like broadcast, there's your ads deal with everything. You know, there's the, the you do the mid-season draft 
in the middle of that as well yeah. at the same time. But so, then the media people don't get their week off, so no, then they complain. They, but you don't need you don't. I need, know they don't, you need, don't need, need to. You don't need the big dogs. But they're still complaining. You don't need the big dogs in there to, like, I know. to cover that. We can go, we can go I've, call. I've been, we'll go call the under-18s <laughs> national championships and we'll go host the uh, the mid-year, mid-year, mid-year draft. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, true. We went to the Hall of Fame. We'll leave that one to a professional. <laughs> um, not that we're not professionals, but we're not big leagues. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you could do all of that and then... You know, then you come back, you've seen some games, you've seen some talent, we've done the draft, we've done the Hall of Fame. And then, I like it. I, you know, I think it makes on. sense. And it also makes sense because of the, the big numbers that don't lie. So I think the, the teams off the bye as of the end of last week have won I've, two and lost ten. Yeah. The two teams that have won played another team that was also had the bye. <laughs> yeah, so, so no one's won a game against a team that didn't have the bye. Exactly. And that's pretty concerning. Yeah. I think that there's got to be something in that. So, um, and we're going to see uh, more evidence of that this week because there are a few teams coming off the bye that are playing teams that played last week. So, um, and one of them is Port Adelaide. So, very interested to see if, if that stat continues. So we'll get stuck into the previews, of course. And this week, different. We're not doing the must-watch, the you know OKs and the and the mm. bitter losers because it's uh, getting difficult now to keep those categories. So these are just all <laughs> games with finals implications. Yes, games that matter because now we're we're all full attention to the end of September, where there will be just one winner and seventeen losers. You may as well just finish the bottom of the ladder. If you're not going to win the whole thing. Sydney, Geelong, SCG, that's on Friday night. And they're both staying alive with the hunt for the top eight. Uh, Sydney, obviously, off the back of a massive win against West Coast and uh, Geelong with a little cheeky win of their own against Melbourne at home. Cadinia is, again, a fortress, although Cameron will miss due to concussion. Mm. Can you read anything to Sydney's performance or was that just, you know, make hay while the sun shines? Well, yes, but... I think they were impressive and, you know, people are going to say, oh, it was only West Coast, it was the worst performance of all time, whatever, but um, still it, it, it takes something from a team to score over 200 points. I thought it was ultra impressive um, the way they just uh, won the ball, the way they slingshotted the footy from one end of the ground to the other and they were just so clinical. Uh, they were ruthless in attack and, um, yeah, full credit to Sydney. They look almost back to their best not just not just that game against West Coast but I think their last three or four weeks have been pretty good um, and they'll want to make an amends uh, this week obviously their last two games against the Cats have been very poor they lost not by 93 points early in the season in uh, in round six and then um, obviously the grand final last year was a bit of an embarrassment as well so it's kind of hard it's hard to believe that you know the, the grand final rematch is ninth versus 13th. Um, and you almost feel like if the Swans lose this, then it's well, pretty much season done. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have to say it would be pretty hard to bounce back to uh, being two or three games behind in this last stretch of fixtures. So, um, yeah, it's all on the line for them. Now's the time to... Um, yeah, to hit form and they seem to be in form. A lot of their uh, top players are back as well. Callum Mills returned last week, uh, Tom McCartan. And um, yeah, I think they're they're in a good position here to, uh, to get one back over the Cats to close that gap on the top eight. And yeah, it's going to be a really interesting game. Um, I think the last two games have played against Geelong. The the biggest factor has been Geelong's ability to score off clearance. Um, but 
I think that's something that Geelong have been struggling with over the last few weeks as well uh, in the absence of Paddy Dangerfield who is back this week so it's going to be interesting to see if Geelong's uh, midfield prowess uh, returns with the return of Paddy Dangerfield or if uh, the Swans can can get on top Mm. and you highlighted an interesting point there because when you look through the list of Geelong you kind of attempted to say do they have that many A graders anymore? The Cats The Cats because, like, you say, you know, Dangerfield returns. Mm. Obviously, class acts, but I'd say he's probably past premium A-grade yep. status. Yep. He's more your, your elder veteran, but, mm-hmm. like, class, obviously. And then, like, you know, Jeremy Cameron, obviously not there on the weekend, so it yep. doesn't count. And then Tom Hawkins, you know, again, probably in the same boat as, as Dangerfield. Going to do his job. Obviously, huge aura. Obviously, huge career. Hasn't been at his best. Hasn't been at his best. Mm. And so, like, the stat here is that only three players from Geelong have reached 30 disposals this season at all. That's the second fewest by any team. Mm. So, like, maybe yeah. they like maybe they are where they are because that's about what they are this year. Like, you know, it's not luck. It's not you know injuries. It's just you know you got your grand final. You probably got that lucky. And too that was their peak. That was well. That was beyond their peak. Yeah. Although yeah. your players were missing, and now you know, like, yeah. you know, and Isaac Smith is up there as like a, an A grader, like you know, Gary yeah. Rowan's up there as an A grader. It's like they're all good players, <laughs> they're all done. They had they had good, really good careers. Yeah, they won't be Hall of Famers, um, and they're probably not in the top ten percent of the league at the moment. So maybe Geelong isn't that force that you know the hoops kind of make you believe that they should be. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. I think um, a lot of their players are in their twilight. A lot, a lot of their best players are in the twilight of their career. Uh, Cam Guthrie is another one, Duncan. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I think their best is past. That's been reflective of their performances this season. So, um, yeah, it would be interesting if they can find the gas in the tank to... To finish the season off strongly and make finals, but it could be hard and uh, it'll be hard for them to win in Sydney this week. Gas in the Tank is an interesting final stat I'll leave you with because they've scored six goals per game in time on of quarters. So when the game gets tough at the end of quarters and everyone else gets tired, they, they kick on. So they've got the Gas in the Tank. Yeah. It's part of their age. So <laughs> keep an eye on that one. I am with you. I reckon Sydney are a sniff here. Yeah. And I reckon they might just sneak on in into that eight. Two teams also looking for a search to solidify their positions in the top eight are, of course, the Western Bulldogs and Fremantle. They're playing at Marvel Stadium on Saturday afternoon. These two teams we've had a love-hate relationship with. Yes. Can't trust either of them. No. Has any of them um, given you some reassurance that come the run to finals they might just make it count? Uh, yeah, like the Bulldogs. I mean, Fremantle had a... You know, a nice game last week against the Bombers, but they probably expected to win that one. They're also at home, home. so exactly. Um, But this is going to be an interesting one. Um, There's a couple of these games as well. Um, Obviously, Sydney and Geelong as well that we just mentioned. But those teams in that middle bracket between Mm. fifth to like twelfth that are playing each other this week. Point game week. It is. Eight pointers. It is a game that can swing uh, a top eight spot. So uh, the Bulldogs obviously beat Fremantle in Perth earlier in the season a very strong win um and they'll be expected to obviously do that again this week at marvel stadium but the doggies are coming off the bye so um again you'd want to keep an eye on that one um and also Fremantle, not so good on the road this season 
They only score 73 points um, on their travels, and that is the second worst in the competition. Um, but yeah, I think this game's going to be one in the middle of the ground. Obviously, Bulldogs, we know how good their midfield is. They've got Liberatore, Trelaw, McRae, Bontem, Pally, um, but also Fremantle. They rely heavily on their clearances. When they when they win the clearance count, they're seven and one. When they lose the clearance count, they're zero and six. So, um, yeah, if they if they're able to top that dog's midfield at Marvel Stadium, then they're most likely to win. But it's a big if. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an, a very interesting game, one that I'll be tuning into. But I think the doggies will be too strong at home, and they'll buck that buy trend. I think. There you go. I'm I'm scared of that buy trend. Me too. Because all <laughs> clubs, it's all positions of the ladder. Yeah, that's that's a fairly big one. And also, the dogs are very inconsistent, regardless. So you know, yeah. But tipping the dogs is a scary prospect, regardless. It is. But if the if the Dockers win this, and that trend continues after the buy then you know that buy is actually a real issue yeah for afl teams 100 percent uh you're gonna have you kind of have to tip the dogs here i think you know we get into that stage of the season where tipping yeah. comps you can't really play too many silly buggers mm. and there's not enough confidence here to go go with frio they basically it's like can they win against one of the better midfielders competition that's a big risk to take yeah especially low scoring as you said 73 point 73 points away this year so kind of have to tip the dogs but, yeah um they're gonna frustrate you. Yeah, I can. I can feel it. They always do. Going. <laughs> Speaking of uh, frustration, Gold Coast. They're on the precipice. They're yep. on the precipice of finally doing it. That's mm. not winning a premiership. That's just making finals. Yeah. They're five and one at their uh, favorite ground, which is obviously their home ground in the Gold Coast, or up in Darwin this year. Mm. And they take on a Collingwood side yep. that everyone loves because they play close games. But mm. part of me thinks that Collingwood. Like, they're very good, don't get me wrong. But they're just not that good. They're not set and forgets. Yeah, they're not. They're not dominant. Yeah. They're just very good in clutch situations. They're getting away with a lot of games. But, like, you know, yeah. if, you, if you believe in the nerdy stats, and so shout out to Matter of Stats, um, they track, you know, expected points and expect points against, all the kind of thing. And for the last, I think it was, like, 10 weeks, and this even goes back to last year as well, they are scoring fewer than expected points given players on their list, the positions where they get to, their entries, quality, all that kind of stuff. But they're also mm. allowing fewer points as well. So they're giving up really good looks and the opposition is failing to take them. And they, yeah, oppositions against Collingwood only convert 35% in their final quarter. So they're a hard team to play against. They get tired when you play against Collingwood. You make, don't make your chances count. Then all those close games, because you're completely knackered, seem to fall the pies away. Yeah. But they can't last forever, surely. I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people in the media these days would be very scared to uh, go against that Collingwood trend to talk down on it, um, if anything, because obviously when a team's winning, you don't really hear many negative takes on them. And um, look, it, it's a fair point. I think, yeah, the, the pies, I still get the feeling as well that they're riding a bit of a momentum wave. Um they're obviously playing very good football as well. You can't take that away from them. Um, but how long is that going to last? And can it stand up in finals? It didn't really last year. They did get close to, um, I guess, reaching the grand final. They came within a kick. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's um, they've still got a lot to prove in yeah. my book. Yeah. 
This could be the game of the round, though. They're, they're, they are the hottest ticket in town, the Pies to watch at the moment. And um, the Gold Coast, yeah, as you said, they're, they're very good at home. They were ultra impressive last week against the Hawks. They were able to put their foot down. Their midfield was super impressive. Um, and th- there is a lot to like about them. They do disappoint us a lot, the Suns, because when we expect them to win, they don't win. Um, and then when, when we lose hope, then they, uh, they they bounce back up. So I'm really looking forward to this game. Um, and I think it'll be a very close one as well. So then, yeah, the most annoying stat I have there for the Pies is that from the beginning of last season, the Magpies have won 11 matches when trailing at three-quarter time. Yeah. So it's five more than any other team. So it's like that just can't, statistically speaking, like statistically speaking, if you lead at quarter time, you win the game, like 70% of the time. Yeah. Like they're doing like astronomically bonkers outlier stuff here by trailing and winning that many times. Yeah. The other weakness they've got is obviously around clearances. They're not... I don't know how they seem to be managing so much field position, but, you know, they only win centre bounces 37% of the time. Gold Coast last week dominated, had their biggest differential from clearances and scored seven goals from clearance against Hawthorne. Mm. Hawthorne's nowhere near as good as Collingwood. Mm. But if Gold Coast can maintain that midfield ferocity, I reckon there's definitely a chink that they had. Because as Adelaide showed, there's a chink that they had as well. So they're definitely a sniff. Would you risk this game and go with the Suns as your upset of the week? I probably would. Yeah, uh, like you said, I don't think Collingwood were all too good last week. Um, I think a lot of their fans would have been a bit nervous at halftime, three-quarter time last week. Um, Probably weren't feeling too good about themselves, but like you said, their mentality is elite. Uh, They they seem to get the job done, but I think up there in the Gold Coast, um, it's a twilight game, so... It's going to, the, the conditions are going to get very dewy as the game goes on. I think that suits the Suns um, playing at home. They, they, their record against the Pies, especially up there, isn't too good. But I think Stewie Jew and his boys can get the job done. And, you know, it's it's job season as well, speaking of jobs, because obviously there's a Dimmer Harwick wedding in the wings. The whisper and the rumor mill is yep. running hot. Yep, he wants so back in. If, he, if Stewie wants to be, if Stewie, Dewey, Man, up there in the dew wants to be there next season. A little win against the uh, against the yeah. Pies will, uh, will keep them in the funnels hunt and keep him in the hot seat. Speaking of the hot seat, you mentioned the curse of the bye. Essendon and Port Adelaide face off Saturday night at the MCG, and uh, it's their yeah. first meeting at the home of the football, the MCG, between these two sides since 1998. That long this game ago. usually occurs Marvel, under the dome. Marvel, yeah. But now they're, you know, they're top billing, both clubs. Yeah. Do we write Essendon? We obviously rate Port. Port's one of the best teams in the competition. Yeah. Like, everything against Port right now is the buy. That's well, it. Well, in our buy-sell um, hold last week, we I think we both sold Essendon. Yep. Um, and as expected, we, we tipped them to lose last week against Fremantle, and they did. Uh, I thought they were a bit disappointing as well. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Essendon. No. Um, they're not a great inside 50 team. Um, when they do get it in there, they do. Um, they are one of the most efficient sides at converting from their entries, but they don't win the inside uh, the inside fifty count um, as often as they should, and that doesn't stand up well against the better teams, the top eight teams, and that's reflective on their record this season. I think they've only beaten one team that's currently in the top eight 
at the moment. That's Melbourne that happened in Gather Round in Adelaide and it was very wet conditions. Um, but the rest of their wins have come against um, the bottom 10. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not buying into Essendon at the moment. But in saying that, if they do get the win against Port Adelaide, I think there's enough games from here on in to the end of the season that Essendon could win to make finals. They've got West Coast again. They've got North again. And if they beat Port, I think they might only need one or two more wins after that to make finals. Mm. So, yeah. big game this week. Absolutely, definitely big game, but I think only, yeah, really only the bye protects them here because, as you yeah. said, their weakness against top eight, top eight sides has been shown. Their weakness in terms of contested possessions against top eight sides has been shown. They really yeah. have only ever beaten, I think, West Coast in terms of contested possessions this year. They're a real outside team, as they've always been. Lots of skillful players, lots of good finishes, yeah. lots of good highlights. Don't win their own source ball, hence why they always seem to be losing the inside 50 count. Port's going to dominate clearances. Even last week, Essendon got his clearances, could make a count in terms of scoring from clearance against Fremantle as well. Port's going to put it on the scoreboard against you as well. Everything except for the buy is leading here, and probably the MCG is uh, leading here towards Port, but, you know, Port has won in the MCG since this year, so... Yeah. I think it has to go to power, but, um, yes, big, big buy stats on the line here. Yeah. And uh, the last one, your team comes back in... To the conversation on the podcast, welcome back to Hawthorne. <laughs> These two teams, like, this was meant to be about funnels contention, and I, I think officially we can put a line through Carlton. But if you haven't put a line through Carlton, there's still this a chance. This week is it. This week is it. If you lose to Big Hawthorne time. at the MCG, yes, it's yes. a Hawthorne home game, so I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, fans in the gold and the brown there cheering on their team. And it's uh, school holidays. Kids go free to all footy games yeah. uh, for the next four weeks, and I think. And Hawthorne is the family club, as we all know. Absolutely. It's going to be a big crowd, and obviously Carlton as well, big Victorian team. So expecting a big one on Sunday. I'm feeling quietly confident. I've been eyeing this game off, yeah. Gordon, for a while now. Mm, and you should be because I've had Carlton it circled speak. in. Yeah, and I think it, it's it's one that we can really, you know, a, a win that we can um, get against one of these big teams. And yeah, I don't know. I, Hawthorne were obviously very disappointing last week. They they lowered their colours. Um, they It all fell apart in midfield, obviously, smashed by a better midfield unit. Um, Hawthorne were obviously lacking a lot of uh, energy and run in the middle of the ground. But like you said, this week, playing at home, um, not just at the MCG, but it's a Hawthorne home game. It's going to be a bigger crowd, a lot more Hawthorne supporters. I think that energy in the midfield is going to be there. And also a little stat for you. Mm-hmm. Hawthorne haven't lost a home game to the Blues in 23 years. There you go. Um, yeah. Some of those uh, are at Waverley Park, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But I'd feel a lot more confident if Sisley was playing. Yeah. So I'm a bit scared of the Carlton forward line. Kerno and Mackay could really get a hold of um, that Hawthorne defence. Um, but other than that, I think Hawthorne will be up. Will, they will be up for the fight and could be a very interesting game. So if you're looking to get um, a, a tip over uh, your opponents in your tipping comp, this could be it. There you go. We've picked up. You've picked up two upsets here. I'm not as comfortable picking the upset here because. You know, Hawthorne, four and ten. That's fair enough. not very good. That's fair enough. You got up by Gold Coast. Yep. That's all, you know, facts. But I don't think anyone can comfortably or confidently tip Carlton this year. 
And as you said, on paper, you know, Sicily out, that forward line, it should be dominant. Mm. But why is the forward line only averaging 20% inside 50 efficiency yeah. all season? They've, yeah. played, they've played plenty of bad sides and yeah. they don't they don't make it count. So there's a bunch of stats here that suggest, you know, standing clearance is going to be in that favour, clearance is going to be in that favour, contested possession, all oh, this many things, <laughs> oh, we scored 50 points against centre bounces, who cares? Every time we finally think that Collingwood's, uh, Carlton's done it yeah. and, uh, you know, they're ready for their resurgence. They, they, and have all the rest of the games that aren't like they did against Gold Coast. Yeah, and the biggest stat of them all as well, the Blues. They're coming off the bye, and they're coming off the bye. Well, then they're they're stuffed. <laughs> if, if any team is going to be cursed by the bye more than anything else, well, that's it. It's uh, going to be the Blues. Yeah. This, so you've this changed it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Hawthorne. Hawthorne by fifty. Uh, uh, curse of the bye to continue. Speaking of the buys, we've come out of the buy rounds, which means Supercoach is far easier. Therefore, this will be a humdinger of a oh. desktop decision. Your Supercoach advice from Nikki G. Yep. Uh, how you going? Where are you ranking? Are you up? Are you down? Have you recovered from your Barley Belly episode? <laughs> What's going on with your Supercoach team? Oh, not really, but I'm glad the buys are over. Last week was a it was a good week, but it was a tough one because I didn't have as many players as some other teams would have had. I only had 16 active players. Scored a pretty good score considering, but I did drop slightly in the rankings to 3,500. But the buys are done. Uh, my team should be complete by the end of the, uh, by the end of this week, and it is uh, full steam ahead till the end of the season. So expecting a strong finish now. This is the week to get your team uh, completed. You you don't want any more rookies. All the good teams out there, the good super coaches, they're not going to have any rookies on their field uh, from here on in. So this is the team uh, time to upgrade. You have to be looking at your Lockie Neils, your Petrarcas, your Liberatores, Brayshaws if you don't have them in your midfield. Uh, Luke Ryan's an interesting one in defense that I'd consider. And uh, if you if you still need a player in your forward line, Zach Butters, Darcy Cameron, there's a lot of options there. But this is the week. I'd, I'd use two or three trades this week to get your team complete and start making up ground because um, it's going to be a uh, bit of a rat race um, from here on until the end of the season. Uh, a lot of big scores will be coming, so you don't want to fall behind any further. It'll be yeah. hard to make up ground. There we go. And so uh, obviously, you know, our listeners are the board of uh, your Supercoach team. What is your Supercoach team so people can look it up online? What's the name of your Supercoach team? Uh, good question. I think I've named it after <laughs> it's actually uh, the Holy Rollers, which is if you're a Simpsons fan. Yes, uh, which we all are, obviously. Yes, everyone's a Simpsons fan. Uh, when Homer uh, started up his bowling team, the Pin Pals, mm. um, he went up against Ned Flanders' team called the Holy Rollers. So yeah. I've named it after Ned Flanders' team. You are team. the Holy Rollers. <laughs> and so we're having a board meeting now because, as you said, the buys are gone. The run to finals is there. We're looking at, you know, yeah. who our super coach, head coach should be next year. What do you think is your expectation? What would be a good season in terms of your result? What can you offer the listeners as your guarantee to keep your job as uh, the super coach, head coach next season? Um. Well, my aim this year was to be top 1,000, but I think, I mean, yeah, anywhere in the top 2,000 is a pretty solid result, I think, if you're, if you're chasing rankings. Um, but, yeah, my goal was to be top 1,000 and walk home with a few KFC vouchers. That, that, that would be nice. Um, but, of course, everyone's different. If, you, if you're in your mini leagues, you obviously want to win your mini leagues as yeah. well. So, yeah. 
There we go. So top 2,000, Nicky G keeps his job. Top 1,000, <laughs> he gets the dirty bird and he shouts all of the listeners. So let us know. Click us your deets. And if you beat, <laughs> in fact, that would be the thing. If you if your team beats Nicky G's team this year in the final end of year ranking. Let us know. Let us know. And Nicky G will buy you KFC meal of your choice. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. Deal. Deal indeed. And the deals are there. And shout out to KFC. I want to jump on board with some sponsorship. Let us know. Uh, you can sponsor us with, you know, we can call this uh, Bucket Top oh, Bargains. Yep. There you go. Yep. Bucket Bin Bargains. Some popcorn like, chicken. There we go. That's yep. your new desktop decisions for next year. That's the end of this episode. We've clearly filled in a, with a lot of waffle, but that's okay. We'll be watching the waffle on the weekend as well. And uh, good luck, as always, to your team, unless they're playing my team, which is Brisbane. And that's how it happened tonight. And I don't think they need any luck. They're going to win by about 60 points. So until next week, uh, let's pray for West Coast. Thank you.